Krishna, 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 Hare Hare. Rama Hare Rama, Rama Rama Hare Hare. Ananda Koti Vaishnava Vindiki Jai, Samaveta Bhakta Vindiki Jai, Go Premanandi, All glories to assemble the devotees, all glories to assemble the devotees, all glories to assemble the devotees, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Guranga, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Namo Om Vishnu Badaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Shimate Bhaktivedanta Swami Nitinamani Namaste Saraswata Deve Gauravani Pracharane Nirvashesha Shunyavani Pashatadesha Tarane Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasri Gaur Bhakti Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Reading from Srimad Bhavan Canto 7 Chapter 3 Verse 14 Eti Vigyapato Devayat Bhagavan Atma Bhurnarpa Parito Brigu Daksha Jail Yayao Jait Aish for Asramam
Iti, thus, Vigyapita, informed Devai, by all the demigods, Bhagavan, most powerful, Atmabhu, O Lord Brahma, who was born from the lotus flower, Nirpa, O King, Parita, being surrounded, Bhrigu, by Brigu and Daksha, Daksha, Adyaya, and others, Yayo, went, Daitya Ishwara, Ifranikasipu, King of the Daityas, Asramam, to the place of austerity. Translation, O King, being thus informed by the demigods, the most powerful Lord Brahma, accompanied by Brigodaksha and other great sages, immediately started for the place where Hranikasipu was performing his penances and austerities. Purport, Lord Brahma was waiting for the austerities performed by Hranikasipu to mature so that he could go there and offer benedictions according to Ranikasipu's desire. Now, taking the opportunity of being accompanied by all the demigods and great saintly persons, Brahma went there to award him the benediction he desired. So, offering of benedictions is something that we uh, often see done. Uh, Lord offers benedictions sometimes. David does offer benedictions. Uh, so, and of course, uh, even kings will offer benedictions, whatever. Uh, so, this is uh, uh, something that is sometimes done because people ask for things, and sometimes because they even don't ask, they are offered certain things. Uh, Often, of course, it is because they ask. Uh, so this is the case hmm, predominantly with the devatas. Peace, people will worship devatas because they want to ask the devata for some material asset. That, that's the benediction or whatever. Uh, but uh, the devata will not give that uh, benediction unless uh, that person does something to please the devata. So there are many things you can do to uh, please the devata. Uh, the devata is pleased by worship, offering things. So, and in this way, you show your dedication to the devata, uh, and the devata will respond. Uh, so this is the, say, the prescribed form of worship. You worship in order to please. And if you do it according to scripture, then the deity should be pleased, and then the deity will give you something. So you uh, do the worship according to the scriptural injunctions, and then you get some result for it. 
So worship is one way. Another is austerities. Uh, and this is quite common. Um, not only in India, but around the world, people do austerities in religion in order to get some benediction. Right? Uh, uh, and uh, of course, it is quite, I can say, uh, quite popular in India <laughs> uh, to do austerities in order to get benedictions. Uh, the idea there, of course, is that by doing the austerity, you're voluntarily uh, creating some problem for your body. Tapas is austerity. Tapas actually means pain. So it is a voluntary infliction of pain upon your body. Now, what use is that, we would say, <laughs> because it's uncomfortable, of course. Uh, but it represents the fact uh, that we're willing to sacrifice our own comforts. Huh? We give up our comforts. Uh, so therefore, the, you do austerities in hope of getting some uh, benediction from a devata uh, uh, by showing how we are so detached from our material enjoyment, we're willing to sacrifice our enjoyment for uh, the supreme, uh, the devata or whatever. Huh? Uh, so this is quite common, uh, uh, doing austerities like this, and this is exactly what Hranikasipu did. He did great austerities, starving himself, and standing on his tiptoes, etc. Uh, it is also, of course, on a lesser level, we'll see that uh, done even now. <laughs> People do vratas for a certain period of time. Uh, uh, so there is, uh, uh, in South India, a very common vrata now is the ayapa vrata. Uh, so far, I think one month, they will be brahmachari. Uh, I think they don't take any non-veg food. <laughs> Uh, and they uh, do worship every day. Uh, they walk around with bare feet. They wear black cloth, whatever. I don't know if that's an austerity, but anyway, they wear black cloth. <laughs> and then if they can, they walk up the hill to see Ayapa. Uh, so they do it for one month. They do some austerity, refraining from meat, fish, eggs, etc., smoking, drinking, uh, austere, austere life for one month. But, of course, they're trying to get something out <laughs> <laughs> They're asking for something for that austerity. So it's an attempt to please that particular devata. They want to restrain their material senses in favor of worship of the Lord or, or the devata. Uh, uh, so even now, there are many type things. Of course, there's the more popular one they just had in um, uh, India also. Uh, this is, um, I guess it's for Kartikeya, is it? Where they, they stick the needles in their tongues and hooks in their backs and all like that. <laughs> it's banned now, of course, but uh, they used to do that, you know, put uh, all sorts of hooks in your tongues and your ears and whatever in your nose and whatever. <laughs> Drag rathas, like hooks on your back and in your back like this. Do it in Malaysia and India also. Uh, so this is another type of austerity you do for, now there is walking on fire. <laughs> do that also, walk on fire. So all sorts of things, but not only in India. Around the world, they also do such things, austerities or whatever. In Christianity, they do. I think Islam, they also do. Uh, so uh, we shouldn't think that this is something extraordinary because it's a common practice. Huh? So austerities and vratas are attempts to please devatas to get some material benediction. We want something. 
and that uh, David, uh, because he's in charge of certain material affairs, he becomes pleased. And then he gives you something for that. So that's the, uh, the general procedure. And, of course, it is also there in the scriptures. It's not completely concocted. So we have scriptural references to a lot of this. Some of it, of course, is concocted, but <laughs> some of these austerities they may do. But uh, there is, you know, the idea of doing austerity, doing worship, doing vratas, etc., for uh, pleasing a certain devata. Then you can ask for something. And it is material. And thus, uh, the devotees will avoid such things. But for persons who are at attached to the material world, uh, it is useful. Yeah, we say it's a clever arrangement of the Supreme Lord to entice these people to do some austerities and control their senses for a limited period of time. <laughs> so they do a vrata to get a result. Hmm? And of course, ultimately it is condemned because it's useless. Yeah. We do austerities, we get the result, then we enjoy. <laughs> so it is, it's not real austerity, but the attempt is there by the Lord to, if they keep practicing like this, gradually they'll become a little more austere by nature, and in this way they can advance by controlling their senses. And that actually is the purpose of the whole um, Varnashram system. Uh, it's a series of rules by which you have to control your senses to various degrees. Uh, less on the lower level, so suitors don't have too many rules to follow. And as we go up from the Vaishakshatriya and then the Brahmana, they have more rules to follow. Uh, so very strict rules for the Brahmana. Everything in life is regulated by rules for him. Uh, in an attempt so that you can control your senses more and more and more. Uh, get rid of material enjoyment. And consequently, uh, we end up in sattva good, and uh, then we can concentrate on uh, spiritual life. So that the whole purpose of all that type of austerity is ultimately to raise us through the gunas and get us to the position where we can uh, become aware of atma and practice spiritual life. Yeah. So it does have some purpose, but of course, uh, in the uh, Bhagavatam itself, uh, I just explained in the first canto how uh, Vyasadeva actually recommended this for people. So he wrote 18 Puranas. And in the uh, six of the Puranas, he glorifies Shiva. And he says, worship Shiva. I get all your desires fulfilled. <laughs> uh, for people in Tamagun. And for people in Rajagun, he advises them to worship Lord Brahma. Uh, Rajagun, you know, he's in charge of creation. And he will fulfill your desires. As we see here, he fulfills Shranikasipu's desire. And if you're in Sattva Gun, then you worship Vishnu to fulfill your desires. Of course, in Sattva Gun, you have much less desires. But this was the, we can say, just following what's there in Karmakanda section of the Vedas, etc. So the Puranas were, Veda Vyas wrote the Puranas to encourage people in that way according to your gunas, worship certain devas, get certain benedictions, and then by doing those, that worship and those uh, austerities and those vratas eventually get purified and raise up in the gunas. But uh, he also detected that something wrong with this system. It's not very good <laughs> because ultimately people get attached. 
So uh, then Narada Muni came and said, yes. Uh, he wrote all the Puranas, he wrote the Mahabharata, he wrote the Brahma Sutras, he divided the Vedas up, he did all this work. But it's not practical for the people of Kali Yuga. Yeah. Because people of Kali Yuga are not very intelligent and they have very short goals. <laughs> they can't think of long-term goals. They won't be able to understand what you're saying or trying to do in the different scriptures to raise them up in consciousness. They're very materially attached. So consequently, they will worship Shiva at the bottom and Tamagona and they won't progress. They won't go up to Rajaguna and Sattvagona at all. They'll just get stuck in the lower gunas because they don't have intelligence and they're too attached to material energy. Plus, they have short lifespans, so within one lifetime, they can't progress too much also. Uh, so, he said, it's a very... Uh, not a very good system. <laughs> uh, so then he says, better you simply tell everybody to worship Krishna. Uh, don't worship Devatas at all. And don't even worship Vishnu. Worship Krishna. Uh, uh, of course, the argument became well. Vasudeva understood people are in different gunas, so they're attracted to different things. So people in Tamagun are attracted to Shiva because he's in charge of Tamagun. People in Raja are going to be attracted to Brahma. He's in Raja going avatar. People in Safa are going to attract to Vishnu. So it's not natural. We're going to tell Tamagun people to worship Krishna. How is that possible? <laughs> because they're in Tamagun. So that can be an argument for against Narada Muni's advice. But uh, Krishna, why Krishna? Because Krishna is all attractive. He's attracted to everybody. Tamagun, Raja Gun, Sattva Gun, Nirguna. Yeah. So, of course, in the Bhagavan, it also says, it, uh, related to the story of Sukadev, who was not attached to anything. He was Atmarama, even beyond the Gunas, and therefore kind of attached to Brahman. <laughs> he got attracted to Krishna also. Uh, Vasudev's disciples recited the Bhagavatam, and then Sukadev Goswami's samadhi broke. And he wanted to hear more about Krishna. <laughs> so Krishna is attracted to all people, the people in the topmost level, the, the impersonalists and whatever, fixed in samadhi, uh, without any material attachment, and those are the lowest gunas in Tamagun. Krishna is attracted to everybody. So therefore he told, Anarada uh, told Veda Vyas, you write a Purana in which everybody is directed simply to worship Krishna. So no more worship of devatas or rising through the gunas or anything. Just worship Krishna. Finished. <laughs> because he's all attractive. So that is what the Srimad Bhagavatam is. Vedavyasa had already written 18 Puranas, so he took one Purana and he revised it and made the Bhagavatam as we know it. <laughs> so in this work, therefore, there is not worship of devatas and Shiva and Brahma or whatever and Vishnu, just worship of Krishna, finally. So that, that's the advice that Narada Muni gave to uh, Veda Vyas. Huh? Uh, so in other words, all of these austerities to get benedictions, etc., is not so useful anymore for purifying yourself. Uh, and of course, Krishna says the same thing in Bhagavad Gita. Yeah? People who worship Devadas are fools. <laughs> it's all temporary results, so it's foolish. So. But there's a, you know, it's a concession given to them 
by the Vedas, Karmakanda, etc., and Vedavyas writing Tamagun Puranas, Rajagun Puranas, etc. Concession is given, but even that concession doesn't work too well in Kali Yuga, our Kali Yuga particularly. So therefore, everybody should simply worship Krishna. That's the final advice of Narada Muni and consequently Vedavyas. So all of this worship, therefore, that people do, we can say is secondary. Uh, of course, it is also said, don't, don't criticize the devatas. <laughs> this is one of the angas of bhakti, actually, mentioned in Nectar of Devotion. Don't criticize the devatas. Another is, shruti shrastananda, don't criticize the shrutis. And a lot of the shruti is karmakanda, worship of devatas. So, so don't criticize them. <laughs> Uh, so in one sense, yes, we don't criticize because it's part of the Vedas. But even Krishna criticizes. He says, the flowery words of the Vedas, what is all of this nonsense? <laughs> People get distracted by this. So, uh, yeah, we understand that the Vedas have a certain purpose, but at the same time we also understand in Kali Yuga none of that is practical anymore. So we want to give the best advice to the majority of the people for their own benefit. So therefore, I worship Krishna. That's the final conclusion. <laughs> so in this way, uh, uh, though the devata worship is there, it is discouraged. Huh? So we'll see that often in the Bhagavatam, uh, uh, the worship of devatas is uh, put in a much lesser position. And in this case, we find Hranikasipu, a big demon, worshiping Lord Brahma. Of course, we find that, again, Ravana, he worships Shiva. Uh, so great demons also there seeming to be following the Vedas because they're worshiping devatas, following karmakanda, whatever. <laughs> but, so not so good, because you're, you're supposed to get purified by this, but they're not getting purified at all. Uh, the big demon's goal is not purification, it's sense enjoyment only, which was the whole danger that uh, Narada, when he criticized, people will worship devatas and get the results, and they get stuck in that enjoyment, and they won't progress, they won't become purified. Uh, so it is a little precarious, that whole system. And not only in our Kali Yuga, we see even here, same thing is happening with Ranikasipu. Eh? Okay, we wa I want to get the highest position in the universe. I want to get even Brahma's position or whatever, so let me do great austerities. <laughs> so in a sense, yeah, he's following some sort of scriptural thing, but really distorted. Yeah. Uh, because the result of the austerity that he wants to upset the whole of Brahma's kingdom and whatever take over his position. So that's crazy. <laughs> Useless. Huh? Uh, so, uh, therefore, throughout the Bhagavatam we'll find stories like this where uh, people worship devatas and then uh, get too much power and then they, they do crazy things. <laughs> uh, um, furthermore, we also find that though we do respect the devatas and we shouldn't criticize them or anything, when we find that the Bhagavatam also criticizes them. <laughs> so Indra gets criticized because he poured rain on Govardhan and you know, whatever, and Krishna and the cowherd people, etc., gave them all problems. Huh? And we see Brahma gets criticized because he tried to steal all the calves and cows, and then, you know, Philander realized his mistake because Krishna was more powerful. So we see that even the devatas get criticized by. Sukadev Goswami and Vasudev. So. <laughs> uh, but uh, then, of course, they, that is a little bit countered because it's, don't criticize them. Don't think that they're at fault because this is an arrangement of the Lord. But in any case, we see that uh, positions of the devatas are on a lower level. And uh, rather than worship them, we should worship 
Krishna. Yeah. Uh, so here, um, Ranikasipu was trying to get some great benediction of controlling the whole world and even taking the position of Lord Brahma by doing austerities. Uh, uh, in this case, because it's a high goal, he has to do more austerities. Uh, uh, so, uh, Brahma here has his plan, <laughs> of course. Uh, so he goes there along with all the sages and devatas to witness Brahma, Arthranikasipu, when he's finished his um, austerity so he can offer a benediction to him. Yeah? And we'll see there when Ranikasipu acts for the benediction, he's very clever. <laughs> he asks something which is impossible, almost for, impossible for Brahma, but he's asking something, you know, how can I be immortal? But Brahma is equally clever, so he gives all these benedictions where he avoids giving him immortality, but it satisfies Ranikasipu because he won't be killed on uh, land, air, whatever, water, won't be killed day or night, won't be killed by any weapon, won't be killed by a human or an animal, etc., etc. So they say, okay, I'm immortal. Huh? So uh, Ranikasipu, in other words, wants eternal enjoyment. But that's not possible, even for Lord Brahma. He also has to die. Uh, so the only possibility for eternal enjoyment is in the spiritual world. But the only way you can get that eternal enjoyment is to give up the enjoyment completely. <laughs> give all the enjoyment to Krishna. Then you get it, but otherwise you can't get it. Huh? So that is what the materialist is striving for, eternal enjoyment somehow or other for himself. And it will be impossible. He can never get that. The only way he can do it is by worshiping the Lord and surrendering completely. Uh, so therefore, all of these plans of clever materialists are ultimately useless. Uh, okay, any question there? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Maharaj, for the wonderful So, I'm not sure how <coughs> correct this is. I have been told that in certain sections of the Vedas, uh, certain demigods are um, noted as the supreme. Um, is that true? And if that is true, why? Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, we will find that in uh, Puranas and uh, Vedas, uh, Devatas are glorified in the Tamasic Puranas, like the Shiva Purana. Shiva will be called Bhagavan, he's the supreme, <laughs> or Brahma is called supreme, or whatever. Uh, uh, and they get glorified, and they have all sorts of stories to show she, why she was superior to Vishnu, etc. Uh, so, uh, it's scripture. So they say, ah, it's true. So then, but then we have a contradiction, because then the Sattvic Paradas say, Vishnu is supreme. So, what do we do? Everybody is supreme? Supreme means on top, not, not equal. They, they would say everybody's equal, but they don't. They say, Shiva's supreme, or Vishnu's supreme, or Brahma's supreme, or whatever. Doesn't make sense. Okay. So therefore, the, the scriptures also have methods of uh, solving contradictions. Okay. Uh, we can't have contradictions because the Vedas should be perfect. Okay. So one, there are various rules. Huh? But one simple rule is that yeah, if we have Tamasic Puranas, Rajasic Puranas and Sattvic Puranas, the Sattvic Puranas are stronger 
proof if there's contradiction with the other Puranas. So if there's a statement Sattvic Purana and uh, Tamasic Purana and they're contradictory. Shiva's Bhagavan, Vishnu's Bhagavan, contradiction. Which is stronger? The Sattvic Purana statement is stronger. So we reject the lower statement in the Tamagun Purana or the Rajagun Puranas and in favor of the Sattvagun Purana. So that's one rule we can follow. <laughs> so that way we cover the you know, contradictions and solve the contradictions. Awesome. Uh, another one, of course, is within one work itself, uh, we also have sometimes contradictions, even in the Bhagavad and some of the Shiva's glorified in the prayers, <laughs> your Bhagavan, etc. Yeah? Or sometimes impersonal Brahman is glorified, even. Uh, the whole section by Kapila, and again by uh, Krishna in the 11th canto to Uddhava, where he glorifies impersonal Brahman as the highest, whatever, like that. In that case, we have to see the context of the total work. And then we'll see there's a contradiction. Because obviously Krishna is supreme, and he's not impersonal Brahman. <laughs> so there's a contradiction there. So then we take the majority. What is the majority opinion? Krishna is supreme, he's got a form, qualities, activities, not impersonal. And therefore the statements about Brahman seem for being supreme, they're there for certain purposes, not for absolute, saying the absolute truth. Mm -hmm. So by context also we have to see the what is the true statement? Would it be right in saying that maybe it's there for people who want to believe that? Yeah. yeah. So Bhagavatam is such, and scripture in general is such that sometimes they will not speak directly anyway. So those who are in pursuit of the highest truth, they will get the highest truth. But they have to look for it. And those who want something else, they will get the superficial meaning. So Bhagavatam is also like that. It hides the truth from the materialists and gives them another version of Bhagavatam. <laughs> and it gives rasa to the devotees yeah? because they understand there's some deeper meaning there. So it's, it's two-faced. So it's called Mohini. Like Mohini Avatar is so attractive that she can bewilder the demons and take the nectar from them and give it to the devatas. So in the same way, Bhagavatam will hide the nectar from the demons and give them something else <laughs> and give the nectar to the devotees. <laughs> So the impersonalists can read Bhagavatam, and they'll pick up all the impersonal statements, and then say, okay, Bhagavatam is ultimately talking about impersonal Brahman, and Krishna is some, you know, <laughs> secondary. Uh, and those who want uh, Varnashram and Karmakanda or whatever, they can look at those sections in the third canto or eleventh canto, describing the whole Varnashram, say, ah, this is ultimate. Uh, or in, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says in chapter three, the Karma Yoga is the best Arjuna, you should only do Karma Yoga. Yeah? And worship the devatas and get material results. This is the best thing for you. <laughs> but we see, of course, later on, Krishna says, eh, worship devatas is useless. <laughs> Chapter 9, so the contradictions are there, so we have to see what is the proper thing. So by the majority of the statements, we come to a good conclusion. But, you know, Bhagavatam and other works, they will not say everything directly all the time also. Thank you. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Um, you know, Varnashram system is supposed to purify people, yeah? So, mm. Varnashram system is in Vedas. So, how come, like, you know, all these, like you said, um, uh, these Hiranyakashipu and Ravan, they actually did not get purified because they were doing Karmakanda, they were following Vedas, but Vedas 
is not for purification, but Varnasham Dharma is in Vedas and that's for purification. Would that lead to, because Bhagavad Gita says, Vedesha Sarve Amavyavedyo. Krishna says, you know, yeah. all the yeah. thing from the Vedas is Krishna. Is yeah, well, Veda is not uh, absolute, non-different from the Supreme Lord also, not just parts of it. And within there we have the Karmakanda, Varnashram, etc. Also parts of it. But uh, people can use them and they tend to misuse them also and then we get the wrong results. Uh, of course, Bhagavatam says that the Varnashram system ultimately is to satisfy Vishnu, satisfy the Supreme Lord. So that's the ultimate goal. But people often lose that goal and therefore they get caught in the system with all the rules so they get stuck there and they don't even get to the highest goal. Uh, so as I said, that's a little bit of a problem because the goal is there but because our lives are short and we don't have so much intelligence, we tend to get stuck on part of it. We don't see the ultimate goal, we don't strive for that. So that's the problem with these indirect systems. Eh? So they're there for certain people, but ultimately uh, the recommendation is better just do bhakti, <laughs> since our life is very short. <laughs> get to the essence of what you're going through to get to bhakti in the Varnashram system. Yes. How, who compiled Devi Bhagavatam and how is it different yeah. from them? Well, uh, Devi Bhagavatam is not one of the 18, not, usually not accepted as one of the 18 Mahapuranas or major Puranas. So uh, possibly we'll find it in the Upa Purana. So there's 18 Upa Puranas also. So it could be stuck there. People will claim, okay, it's Vedavyasa's work. Huh? So yes, it is common, but as I said, if we go by Bhagavatam itself, this is the final word because it was written after all the 18 and Narada Muni told Veda Vyas to, you know, come to the proper conclusion. So he wrote Bhagavatam. So whatever these other Puranas are and whatever they state, ultimately we should go by the authority of Bhagavatam. That Bhagavatam, not Devi Bhagavatam. <laughs> the Krishna Bhagavatam. In Nectar of Devotion, Rupa Goswami says, uh, uh, worship of Ganesh, or, uh, and yeah. then the banyan tree. <laughs> <laughs> How do you understand that yeah, yeah. Uh, increase yeah. the bhakti in yeah. devotees? Yeah. So the worship of Ganesh is mentioned there in, when it lists the rules, uh, uh, save aparads, I think it worships. Uh, it, uh, it lists them there among the save aparads, you know. Uh, you, you can't avoid the worship of uh, Ganesh before you do your puja. Sorry, sorry. Uh, deity worship particularly and it's, he's just going to be quoting a Purana there some Purana and of course in the beginning of the uh, Angas of Bhakti the, the Angas of Bhakti we have this idea of worshipping the Asvata tree and the uh, I think the what, Brahmana etc uh, so what is, the, what is all this for that the, the, uh, the, the one for the deity worship is taken from another Purana yeah. so in some traditional worships, not Vaishnava worships, it is common to do the worship of Ganesh, <laughs> Guru and Ganesh and so and so, so I guess before you do your puja. Uh, and I think it's even mentioned in Hari Bhakti Vilas like that. So it is, there is some sort of procedure. Uh, but generally the Vaishnavas will substitute something else for that. So for instance, in the Sri Sampradaya, instead of Ganesh, they worship Vishvaksena, the Madhva is also, uh, who is 
like, he looks like Ganesh because he's got an elephant head also. <laughs> but he swerves his eyes in Vaikuntha instead. <laughs> and he's head of the army of Vaikuntha. So he gets rid of your obstacles also, but it's more on a spiritual level. So they say worship, you know, uh, this Vishwaksena instead. So that's the substitute <laughs> in their terms. Huh? So it's some sort of traditional thing which is there because it's quoted from a Purana, but uh, generally we see that the, the devotees aren't going to follow that so much, or they substitute the worship of Vishwaksena instead. As for the other thing about worshiping Asvata trees, there's nothing wrong with Asvata tree because even in Bhagavad Gita that Krishna says on the trees, I'm the Asvata tree. <laughs> so somehow he's, he's kind of represented by the Asvata tree, so if we worship the Asvata tree, we're also worshiping Vishnu indirectly. Uh, but the idea there of that anga of bhakti is that uh, we are act, give respect to all living entities, plants, animals, and human beings. And then among those things, of course, then the asvata tree is kind of in a higher position because it is non different from Vishnu, according to Bhagavad Gita. And the Brahman is the highest varna, etc. The cow, of course, is also high animal, etc. So like that, we worship all living entities. We give respect to all living entities. Maharaj, you mentioned that um, following the orders of Narada Muni Vyasadev compiled the Bhagavatam from one of the existing Puranas. Um, and, and this is my question. Um, we see Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma in the Bhagavatam. Did you mention that uh, the worship of the demigods is not in the Bhagavatam. Oh, no, I didn't say that. Its huh. worship is there. Uh, but all, uh, finally, the conclusion is that they're not supreme and we shouldn't worship them as the supreme. Yeah, definitely, this whole story of Shiva, Brahma, etc., and other devatas also mentioned in the Bhagavatam. We have stories concerning them. Yeah? But of course, we see also that ultimately the conclusion is that uh, Vishnu is higher than Shiva or Brahma and uh, we should only worship Krishna ultimately. <laughs> Thank you for the wonderful class. I just had a question that if you distribute books or give this knowledge to materialists in, suppose, US, oh. America, Australia, then they just accept, accept it uh, <laughs> like, like some uh, ancient knowledge yeah. and then they accept it. But some people in India, they have strong bases on their demigod worships, hmm. worshippers, they're really strong on that. Hmm. So how do you explain them? Krishna is the greatest without offending their culture. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, people who have no knowledge, maybe it's easier for them to accept. And people who have some knowledge, which is the wrong knowledge, then they don't accept. Huh? <laughs> I think I know everything already. So you're saying, this is not true because, you know, father said this, mother said this, the temple says this. So, well, how can this be correct? So people often do have that conception in India. Yeah. So the. Yeah, of course, we're, we're, we don't preach to the faithless. That's kind of aparad, preaching to the faithless persons. But then the, the counter argument, well, we don't preach to anybody how, how we can spread <laughs> Lord Chaitanya's movement. Um, so the idea is, um, yeah, we can distribute Bhagavatam, etc. But generally, we're looking for people who do have some little bit of favorable inclination, at least. And if they do, and they read, and they find some little bit of a problem there, 
then they can do two things. If they're a little bit favorable, then they'll go to ask somebody else, ask a devotee, and the devotee can explain things nicely, and then they can listen, and then they can accept. If they are the opposite, they're not favorable, and then they get angry. And they go, oh, this is all wrong, this is not proper. Uh, so that's why it becomes preaching to the faithless in a sense. And when, no matter what you say, they won't accept. <laughs> so the, those people we kind of ignore. We don't, we don't try to preach to them at all. But if people are neutral or puzzled, then we can explain. And the easiest thing to explain is, yes, many scriptures are there. Many scriptures say many things. But we should find out the highest scripture. So then we can convince them why Bhagavatam is the highest scripture. <laughs> being the final work of Veda Vyas. Yeah? After he wrote eight, the 18 Puranas and all the other works and compiled the Vedas, etc. Then finally he came out with Bhagavatam. So therefore it's the conclusion of everything. So people should accept. If you accept Veda Vyas, accept the Bhagavatam. And then I said, well, what about Devi Bhagavatam, Veda Vyas, what about Devi Bhagavatam? So I said, ah, but it's Upa Purana, it's secondary. This is Amala Purana. It's the last work of Veda Vyas. So you have to accept the last work, superior. <laughs> so if you accept the Pramana scripture, then you should accept the statements, not try to wiggle out by quoting some other scripture. <laughs> no. Hare Krishna Maharaj, thank you for the nice class. Um, you were talking about austerities, and I'd like to ask, how can Krishna be happy if we perform austerities? Because we see that he's our dear most father, he's the father of the universe. And we, all, and, he does, and we see our material parents, they're also not happy, when, they're not pleased when we do something austere. So then how can Krishna be happy when we kids perform austerities for him? How can Krishna be happy when? When we kids, little kids, perform austerities for his pleasure. Why austerities? Yeah. If we do austerities, yeah. how can Krishna be happy? Well, actually, the Vaishnavas are not too much interested in austerities. Maybe Hiranika Sipu or these type of people want to do austerities and stand on their toes for that. So uh, this is not considered to be a proper austerity. We do extreme austerities of torturing the body, etc. It's actually considered tamasic. Yeah. So you have to do scriptural austerities. So the austerity of the Vaishnava is a codicy. <laughs> that's, our, that's our ultimate austerity. <laughs> that's our fasting. <laughs> we fast on a codicy. So that far we can go. But if we do go to extremes, then of course obviously it's not, it's not prescribed in the scriptures, so therefore we don't follow that. So the, the, the austerities for the Vaishnava are not considered to be extreme austerities. They're in, in line with, you know, uh, devotion. So of course, austerity, as I said, ultimately means is restraining the senses. So yes, uh, through bhakti, we're restraining the senses by engaging the senses in serving Krishna. So that's pleasing to Krishna. But if we simply stop the senses, that type of austerity or torture the body, that's not pleasing to Krishna. Uh, so also in the um, Bhagavad Gita it says that type of austerity where you give pain to the body, that you're actually giving pain to the Supreme Lord. <laughs> it's not proper. Huh? The Lord doesn't appreciate that at all. Thank you. Maharaj, you, you um, were saying that we, 
we are meant to worship some because as Prabhu was saying before, Ganesh or, yeah. or um, the Banyan tree because showing respect. But like, so does it mean that as Vaishnavas should we worship Ganesh in some occasion during the year, or is it okay to have a picture at home or him? Oh, okay. <laughs> and also, at second part, like in, sometimes when we check astrology and stuff, is we recommend that oh maybe uh, worship Buddha or just or chant this mantra for a while, like even coming from Vaishnavas as well that are able to check astrology and that stuff. So how do we really understand that? Yeah. Well, as for uh, worshiping Ganesh or other devatas, you can do that as long as you worship them as servants of the Supreme Lord, in which case you don't give direct, you offer them the prasad from Krishna or Vishnu instead. Then it's okay. You're not, you're not criticized or whatever. However, uh, those who are more attached to Krishna, uh, they, don't ha they don't want to be distracted by worshipping anybody else. So therefore they just worship Krishna. <laughs> don't worry about worshipping this, even other av avatars even. They won't, they don't, they're not so interested in worshipping other avatars, even though it's bona fide. Hmm? The Buddha speak of devatas because they're so absorbed in Krishna. Like the people in Vrindavan, they're not thinking of anything else, they're just thinking of Krishna all the time. Huh? So everything is a distraction. Hmm? So those who are very advanced, therefore, only concentrate on Krishna. Those who are less advanced, okay, they worship different forms of the Lord. And they can even worship devatas as long as they worship them as servants of the Lord or Vaishnavas. And we also worship Vaishnavas, so we can do that. As for, you know, uh, astrology, etc., cetera, uh, good to see what your karma is in many cases, just like it's good to look at the weather today and see if it's going to rain or not rain or whatever. You, you, people look at the traffic and see where the traffic is too, you know, so they don't waste time or whatever like that. Or they go to the doctor and see if they're going to get a something or other in their lungs or a heart or whatever like that. So they can predict something by that. So astrology is like that also can give prediction. But we don't get too attached to because it it's all about the material body. But like going to the doctor, then the doctor gives you some medicine, you take it. So astrologers can also do that. But if he tells you to worship devatas and stuff, then we don't want to avoid that. <laughs> We worship Krishna instead, or we worship the, but we don't want to also ask him, Krishna, please do this for me, do that for me. We just worship Krishna unconditionally and let him take care of it. So on one hand, they don't desire even Samipya uh, from the Lord, like Samipya association from the Lord. But they, yet they have a mood of separation from the Lord. So how is it possible they can have this contradictory? Well, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, they, they don't desire closeness to the Lord devoid of service to the Lord. Or Sarupya or Salokya or whatever. But they don't refuse it also if they're service to the Lord. So that main idea is you're serving the Lord, and in pursuit of that, the Lord brings you close, he shows his form, he gives you a form, and he puts you in the same loka, in the same area, or whatever, so you can serve him nicely. And so the devotee accepts that, because it's conducive for his service. So in that sense, they will accept those things. And then consequently, when we are close to the Lord, then there will be periods of separation and union. So that's all part of the, the rasa when you are 
uh, serving the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Maharaj, there are multiple statements uh, Srila Prabhupada has made on this question which is very commonly asked um, that the jiva has fallen from the spiritual world mm-hmm. um, from Krishna's association and then by practicing bhakti one can go back again and that's it, that's it no more falling back again. Yeah. And, and Srila Prabhupada has given multiple uh, statements on that but the famous one is that yes we came from we were with Krishna and we fell from the spiritual world. So, what what is the actual understanding on on that? What to how to understand? Take it. Well, another statement is like the what's the the tall fruit falling from the tree, and and the crow fall uh, lands on the tree and, <laughs> and then the fruit falls. So it was because of the crow or not because of the crow or whatever, like that. So you can go on endlessly debating back and forth on that. Uh, uh, of course, and then the other idea is that it doesn't really matter as far as if, if it was here or there or whatever. The idea is we're here now and we've got to get out. It <laughs> doesn't matter how it happened, but we've got to get out. So that, that's kind of the main idea. But the, the controversy arises, I would believe, because we are still influenced by our concepts of material time and space and therefore we're thinking when and how and at a certain time and here and there. But spiritual time and spiritual place are quite different. So you can't really argue about something which is eternal and infinite with no past, present, future and try to correlate that with our idea of, you know, past, present, future, or limited space and time, etc. So when you try to do that, we get in a little bit of a confusion. <laughs> when I was here, or when I was there. This is all our conceptions of past, present, future due to our conditioning. So therefore, we, we get a little bit of a problem there. I don't know if you saw that proposal Oh, yeah, there's a proposal about that. And, and, and the, the Hari Prashad yeah. mentions that Prabhupada makes more, more than one statement and they actually contradict each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so do the Acharyas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it's one of those conundrums where yeah. we want a definitive statement, but yeah. then we find three or four well, and, they, di- and they differ. <laughs> and so then we've got to kind of arrange our heads in such a way so that we can accommodate all of them. Yeah. And of course, what that means is that in, in a variety of circumstances, yeah. the, the truth will apply, but the, the situation will be different, and yeah. so therefore the statements are different. Yeah. 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 Just on that point about worshipping the demigods, mm-hmm. um, Prabhupada mentions, and I think the Bhagavatam mentions, that um, the spiritual master is the sum and bonum of all of the demigods. And so when we worship the spiritual master, yeah. because he's, he's the epitome of service yeah. to yeah. Yeah. Krishna, mm. then we're automatically worshiping the demigods yeah. anyway. And so yeah. Yeah. we don't worry too much about the demigods because we've already yeah. s- satisfied them by yeah. serving Srila Prabhupada. Of course, the other thing is everything is in Krishna anyway. And so like watering the leaves, we water the root. 
everybody's satisfied. <laughs> so, worship Krishna, everything is fulfilled by that. <laughs> yeah. oh, somebody? Oh. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It's not the right gunas as such. They're meant for people in the gunas. Oh, okay. But <laughs> yeah. So Veda Vyasa is transcendental, so he never, doesn't write anything in Tamagun, but he's writing for the people in Tamagun, so he attracts them with Lord Shiva, who is the ruler of Tamagun. <laughs> How would you determine between the sattva and the rajas guna in terms of the Puranas? Uh, it's listed. There's, there's a listing in the Puranas themselves. They say these are in the Tamagun, these are rajas and sattva By prominence of who is the object of worship, so in the Tamagun Puranas, it's Shiva, generally Shiva, or Kartikeya, like that. Uh, and the, um, it's a lot of glorification there in those Puranas, whereas Sattvic is uh, in all Vishnu, like Vishnu Purana, Padma Purana, uh, what is it? Uh, Garuda Purana, etc. And uh, then the other ones, uh, Brahmanda Purana, etc., glorify Brahma. So by prominence of who gets worshipped, then they, the system is there. Thank you. Thank you so much, Maharaj. I have a question because usually people, when it comes to studies, engineering or medicine, they send their kids to overseas or they find out the best college and they send. But when it comes to Jan Master or some, they say they go to their nearest temple. How can we help them? What's they the go best? To what temple? Nearest temple. Nearest temple. Yes. Yeah. So? But in this, when it comes to college studies, yeah. medicine or engineering, they Google and find out the best college and they send even overseas, they don't care, even okay. very expensive. So they can't but, go to the temple anywhere. But saying. when it comes to temple, they go to the nearest temple. Oh, <laughs> they go to the college furthest away <laughs> because they get better degree maybe. Yeah. Even but, my brother, yeah. he sent his son to Singapore, it's yeah. equivalent to yeah. USA or Australia, yeah. very expensive. Yeah, so what this shows is their material interests are stronger than their spiritual interests. <laughs> to fulfill their material desires, they'll go further away and make further endeavor and pay more money. And for the spiritual thing, oh, anything will do anything, you know, so. <laughs> How Not to, so serious about spiritual life, in other words. That's what it. is the best, ways to, uh, best way to assist them? Uh, well, we can always, uh, if they are a little favorable, yeah, then we can preach to them. We don't preach to the faithless, but if they have a little bit of, you know, favorability, we can start. Let them at least hear the name get them a little bit enthusiastic and then eventually they get more interested and then we can give them Bhagavad Gita, Bhagavatam, etc. Yeah. Okay, I think that's it, okay. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.